Well, it's brilliant to be here. It really is brilliant to be here. You're often in my mind. I'm often reminded of you, whether I like it or not. And, uh, well, it's funny, isn't it? I've realized some of you are meeting me for the first time. Something I've done for the last six years, at any one time, I've uh, moderated at least two churches. And, And that's been such a blessing. Just a privilege to walk with churches as they've been seeking a Dave or near equivalent, um, and uh, it, it's been a lovely thing to do. And, and it, in fact, the even better thing is when the Daves, or near equivalent, have been found. And uh, in all four churches that I have completed the journey with, where they've found good folk to lead them, they're all doing really well, and that's, that's a great joy to me. Uh, but I, was in, I now have two more, because that's how it works. Uh, so I'm looking after Eastleigh Baptist Church, quite a large Baptist church near Southampton, and I'm looking after Waterlooville Baptist Church, uh, which is similar in size to you in a kind of way, uh, near Portsmouth. And I was sitting there minding my own business at Eastleigh Baptist Church last Sunday morning before I preached to find that the people I was sitting next to, Richard and Sue, used to be in membership here. So you just can't get away from... Uh, you know. But... Uh, No, great to be with you. As those of you who remember me from the past will know, I do a number of other things. One thing, which I don't think I was doing when I was with you, but I'm an ambassador. I have some very grand titles. I'm an ambassador for Premier Radio. Premier Radio has 1.4 million listeners every week. It's the most extraordinary and wonderful platform that we have. Um, And they produce Christianity magazine, And if you don't get to see this, I do commend it to you. I think it's the very best magazine which is there on a monthly basis. Uh, It engages with real issues. Uh, It gives, I think, a very balanced and helpful view of things and helps us to engage with what God is doing in the world. Um, Title price is £5, but Jesus loves you. And today, if you get there quick enough, you can have a free copy. That's good, isn't it? Um, But I commend, commend that to you. Lovely privilege to walk this journey with you through the sayings from the cross. And uh, we come today to Luke chapter 23. Uh, Grateful to Matt for what he shared last Sunday, which I was able to hear. Um, I'm reading to you from Luke chapter 23, verse 32. So this is the description of the crucifixion. Luke chapter 23, verse 32. Two other men, both criminals, were also led out with Jesus to be executed. When they came to the place called the Skull, where they crucified him, along with the criminals, one on his right, the other on his left, Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. The people stood watching and the rulers even sneered at him. They said, he saved others, let him save himself. He's the Christ of God, the chosen one. The soldiers also came up and mocked him. They followed him, they offered him wine vinegar and said, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was a written notice above him which read, this is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God? 
He said, since, we are un- since you are under the same sentence, we are punished justly, for we're getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, today you will be with me in paradise. We thank God for his living word. I love this passage, and especially that amazing statement at the end. I tell you the truth, today you will be with me in paradise. I love that, because it is sheer gospel. Sheer grace. You can't mistake it, can you? Uh, It's an amazing situation, isn't it? Just looking at the cross, and I do kind of warn you, as you look at the cross again, as we come to Easter, don't think you've ever got it. You know, the, the pain, the agony, the separation, we're always on the edge of understanding. It's always more wonderful than anything we know. Oh yeah, we know the facts, and many of us have really known them all our conscious lives. We know about Jesus on the cross, but don't let it become an easy thing, or a simple thing, or something we somehow grasped, because we can't contain it. Uh, it, it, it's an incredible thing. Jesus died. Incredible. Love. Love is absolutely, in, love like this is absolutely incredible. Amazing. So, we're always going on a journey with the cross is really what I'm saying to you. Let's not arrogantly say, oh, suss that. No, how dare we? We've not been that way. So, Jesus hangs from the cross and whilst this happens, and we can't imagine Many of us have been through great pain in our lives of all kinds. But we can't imagine what Jesus was going through as this conversation goes on. The cross. <laughs> well, you've got two criminals who'd expect to find there, and Jesus there, and they're having this conversation. One sneering at Jesus, aren't you the Christ? Yeah, come and do a trick now. You know, that sort of language. And the other saying, don't you fear God? since we're under the same sentence, and he recognised the situation. He said, you know, we're, we're hanging here justly. This is what the Lord demands. But this man, Jesus, he doesn't deserve to die. And he adds, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. I tell you the truth today. You'll be with me in paradise. They're incredible words, because this man's got the size of it, hasn't he? He's a criminal. He deserves it, according to the law at the time. It was entirely appropriate in terms of how their laws were structured. And yet that day, a day of sheer blackness, darkness, it's all coming to the end, end of a terrible life, Jesus turns it immediately. <laughs> says, today you'll be in heaven. Today you'll be in paradise. It's all of grace. And I want us to explore this for a moment, because I think grace is not only one of the most amazing words in the world, not only one of the most incredible things we'll ever learn about, but it's also one of the most difficult, because it doesn't make sense. Grace, a gift, you know, why should a criminal (laughs) suddenly be given a get-out-of-jail-free card? Why should he, at that last moment be given the gift of eternal life. You know, try and make sense of that. Grace is always a challenge, isn't it? Do you remember the story Jesus told the parable of the person who hired people to work in his vineyard, goes at the beginning of the day, 
And the people gladly come for one denarius. Absolutely fine. We're really happy with the deal. They work all day and in the last hour he goes to the marketplace and gets some more people to help. Come the end of the day, the people helped for just an hour or so. They get one denarius. The same as the people who've worked at the beginning of the day. Well, there's no trade union on the face of this earth that would support that. What's the explanation? It's grace. It's God just giving generously what he has to give because he loves to give. You can't make sense of it. You can't say, oh, that was just because it wasn't just. It was unjust. It's grace. And uh, listen carefully to this because in the moment it becomes incredibly personal. The whole way in which God deals with it is through grace. Therefore, most things that God does surprise us. He just doesn't work the way that we think of it. When you read the gospel, and especially for those of us who have listened to it all our lives, this is really difficult because we know what's going to come next. You know, there's no surprise about any of the stories of Jesus that we've, we've probably acted them out a hundred times and we've preached them 500 times. You know, we, we've done the stuff with them, we know them, we've read them, we know them backwards, inside out. What you've got to understand when you hear the gospel is that the first people who heard it were shocked. They had their mouths open and they were saying to Jesus, you cannot be serious. Can I just take an instance? The parable of the Good Samaritan. Let's go for that one for a moment because this is the heart of the gospel. Everybody knew what was going to happen there because it was obvious. This wretched lad, every family dreads having a son like this. Comes to his dad and says, Dad, you look a bit peaky. I think I'll take my inheritance now if you don't mind. You know, well, slapping, I think. You know, I mean, no, that doesn't happen, surely. But, but the father's a really nice bloke. And he says, okay, son, if you want to have your inheritance now, here it is. The son goes off into the distant country, far country. What's going to happen? Duh. We know what's going to happen. He doesn't know how to handle it. So he has a wild time for a short while, and then it's all gone. He turns around, decides he has no right. He understands that. He has no right to go home and say, Hi, it's his son, remember me? He can't do that one. But he could perhaps say, Could I come onto your staff? Could I be a servant? Could I be the lowest of the low? And everybody knows, they know what's going to happen next. It's too obvious. The father looks at him, looks from a far distance, sees the lad coming. And the whole crowd that hear this story, they say, we know what's going to happen next. This lad's really going to get it. Because just, I mean, that's, that's what should happen. Surely that's what should happen. justice. But a good talking to, I don't think so. This lad's going to get a slapping big time comes to his father and his father embraces him and the people are thinking, it's a weird story. And the father puts a ring on his hand and they think, this is just a joke. He kills the fatted calf. They have a party together. People say, this is ridiculous. Because Jesus is turning everything upside down. You just don't do things like that. Why? Because we don't tend to live in the world of grace, but God does. God does. Friends, I want you to hear this. Whoever you are, whether this is familiar to you or brand new, I want you to hear this. God looks at you with grace. 
And God comes to you today and says, I am willing to forgive you all the wrong things you have done. That is not reasonable. That's not just. If you've done wrong things, you should pay the price for them. But Jesus says, I'm willing for you to go free. Willing for you to go free. That's amazing, isn't it? That's amazing. I think of, of, of Nick, somebody I used to visit. <laughs> Nick had lived a, shall we call it a colourful life, because I'm not going to give you the details. He was in his early 70s. He'd been a, a driver, interesting man, been a driver, ro- um, train driver, in India. And he'd got up to stuff, lots of stuff. And I told him the message of forgiveness and, and he, he said, I can't believe that. And he'd tell me a story of a sin he'd committed, some terrible things he'd done. He said, and I come back to him and said, but I hear that, Nick, but God can forgive you. God can set you free from that. And I go back the next time and he said, I've thought of another sin, Jonathan. And he'd tell me about this sin and he'd say, surely God can't forgive me now. I said, I'm sorry, Nick, you're not going to impress me. You know, whatever you've done, God can forgive you. Just because he's that kind of God. That's, that's grace. It's not just. It doesn't make any sense. Nobody treats us like that. That's not a normal way of behaving. It's just how God does it. And that's what happens here on the cross. This man deserved to die. Crucifixion, I know we don't do it these days, thank God. But within the legal system at the time, it was a perfectly reasonable thing to happen. That's what the system required. God comes to us with grace. As Jesus came to that man on the cross, today you'll be with me in paradise. (laughs) Job done. I love Ephesians 2, where Paul explores this theme. Wonderful passage in which he grapples with the reality of grace rich verses for it's by grace you've been saved through faith it's not from yourselves it's the gift of God not by works so that no one can boast of course the problem would be if if we could save ourselves if we could qualify by doing just enough good works we might have a celebration here this morning of all the people who have just gone over the line you know got the 40 points or whatever you need 40 points of goodness the deacons would meet to decide uh, the previous Thursday, you know, decide whether you can get the points. And we say, oh, you know, Mary, Pat, they've just gone over the line. They've got 41 points now. They've earned their salvation. And we've got a nice little certificate we can give to them. Because what a dreadful world that would be. Thank God we don't live in it. Thank God we don't live in it. Imagine the deacons, but oh, don't go there. Just, it's just a gift. If you come to Jesus today, whatever you've done, hear me, whatever you have done, I know it's your fault. You shouldn't have been there. You shouldn't have done it. You had every reason not to do it, but you did it. God can forgive you if you're willing to repent, if you're willing to turn around. I just want you to live with this word grace because it's a wonderful word. What a wonderful word to think about on a church birthday like today. You know, when... Dave told me what the verse was. I just sort of, a few weeks ago, I just gloried in it. I thought, how wonderful that is. On this day, as we celebrate 37 years of life, the grace of God in the life of this church, we celebrate grace today. I ask you the question, 
if you've received grace, you've received this gift, are you living a life of grace? Because it's not just about receiving the gift. It's then allowing God to shape our lives in a way that is gracious, that reflects his loving nature. Gracious in our relationships with one another. Gracious in the way that we talk to one another. Does that describe you? I have been a church leader for a long time. Uh, Overwhelmingly, I would say, I have seen grace. But believe me, I don't always see grace. Sometimes, especially when people criticise, you know, don't don't like what's going on at the moment. It's not the church I've you know, happens everywhere. I don't like that. I like like most of the things the deacons decide, but when they decided that, you know, I didn't approve of that at all, the question is, what do you... It wouldn't happen here. I'm just talking about other churches. Uh, what, what do you do with that criticism? Uh, uh, as a result of conversations I'd had and experiences I'd had about two months ago, I wrote a paper on how to criticise graciously. We do need to criticise. You know, things go wrong. I'm a leader. Any leader will recognise we sometimes get it wrong, obviously. Not hardly worth saying. We do get things wrong. And if somebody comes to us and graciously, graciously helps us to see that and walk with them to to make things better, that's great. When it's done ungraciously, rudely, sharply, where the intention is to pull that person down so they, you know, have an idea how life, life is structured, it can be terribly destructive. And I've had lots of interesting conversations having written that paper. And actually, if you go on to the uh, Premier website, I think if you just put in gracious criticism, uh, it became a blog, and you, you'll find it there. And they, they crafted it very nicely, actually. Some bullet points of what to do when you need to criticise somebody else. We need to do it graciously. Just need to, need to do it in a way that reflects the life of Jesus. So grace... We receive graciously, so we live a life of grace. But therefore we keep, <laughs> if you've got, you've got the point of this grace business, we keep passing it on. That's the nature of free gift. We look for opportunities. Through the years we've said probably 10% of people are evangelists. They have a specific evangelistic gift. There's quite a lot of people here this morning who have a specific evangelistic gift. If it's 10%, 10, 15 of you have a specific evangelistic gift. How exciting is that? But we're all involved in living a life of grace. We're all involved in passing on grace to others, of giving people clues as to who God is, of helping them along the way. I had a good conversation with somebody yesterday about the opportunities God regularly gives us for reaching out to people as they reveal their illnesses. I just popped this thought into your mind. You know, people often record... The fact, you know, just somebody at work, whatever, somebody in the shops, somebody in the bus queue, whatever it is, recall that they're not very well, haven't been very well, somebody, just to take that moment to say, I'd love to pray for you. It's a very acceptable thing to do in our suspicious society. It's actually a very acceptable thing to do. I'll be praying for you. Take the moments that God gives you. There'll be other moments when you can speak directly about your faith. Um, I love to have close to me and uh, why Jesus, the Nicky Gumbel um, associated with 
Alpha, but um, just a simple booklet that you could give to somebody who wonders what this Christianity business is about. Have the tools, friends. Pretty obvious. Have the full. You're not going to have the opportunity to go through this, possibly. Sometimes you can, but often you won't. But just to give somebody the opportunity for them to quietly read a little bit more. I brought scores of copies of this just because I love it to be used. I just love to take those moments. Moments of grace when we could just pass on the welcome. This sermon basically has two points. Grace was the first, but it's, it's all grace. But the, the second word I just want to spend some moments on is the word today. Today you will be with me in paradise. This is our God, a God who wants to bless us now. It's, again, it's not our thinking, is it? We can more easily think of saying, you know, just love you to have these blessings. And if you could go on a six-week course, uh, that'd be really brilliant. And then you could learn up about it, and then, then you'd be really blessed. Six-week courses are great, and alphas and all the rest love them. I just want you to know God's language is about today. God wants you to be blessed today. Today you'll be with me in paradise. Interesting word. Paradise is a Persian word, actually, and it means a walled garden. And the picture is of a walled garden in a palace where the king, as a favour, would say to somebody who he wanted to bless, who he wanted to reward, would say, come and walk with me in my walled garden. It's a lovely imagery. What Jesus is saying is, Today you'll be in the Father's presence. Today you'll be in that place of eternal bliss. That you'll be in heaven. Paradise. I wonder how God wants to bless you today. But he does. He does want to bless you today. But I wonder how. Some of you are struggling with things. Stuff at work. Relationship with neighbours. In the family. Perhaps not with your spouse or children, but a step away. But you're feeling the angst of it. That will embrace many of you. Come to the Lord today (laughs) and receive his peace. Receive his peace. Uh, I've got some heavy situations uh, that the Lord's graciously put in my life at the moment. And uh, I seek that gift of peace. I do seek that gift of peace as I walk with him through this time. His gift of forgiveness. I don't know what's happened in your life. Don't need to know. But I do know this. This is a word of insight and truth. You're a sinner in ways which may never get into the local newspaper. You've let yourself down over the last week. It might get to the local newspaper, but probably not. But we've sinned, and we need to come to the Lord today and say, Lord, I I claim your forgiveness. I claim your release. And all of us need, day by day, the strength that only the Holy Spirit can give to us. We can't do this stuff by ourselves. We, We can't do this stuff by ourselves. I mean, the situation in New Zealand is totally beyond horrific. Actually about real people and real lives and real communities being torn asunder. 
These things are beyond us, aren't they? We need the power of God. We need the power of God's Spirit within us. Come to the Lord today and say, Lord, fill me again with your Spirit. Because we have a gracious God, he hears that request. And he doesn't say, well, have to think about that one. He wants to give you his Spirit. He wants to give you his blessing right now. Don't put things off. This is your birthday. This is your birthday as a church. Fantastic. What a thing to celebrate. Uh, Birthdays are wonderful, aren't they? I mean, this one I had recently. Another one. Um, You know, but it's great, isn't it? It's just, it's nonsense. It's crazy. But it's just the family being sweet and gifts. And and, um, we've actually come up with some very strict rules these days. We've, We've decided that long since we've got enough stuff in life. So you can only give me a present if it can be consumed, drink is fine, food is, is fine, or experienced. Do you know, but, but I don't want another thing to put on a shelf or something like that. You know, you think we're very strict in our family. But, but, but it's lovely, and it's just a, it's a blessing to receive gifts and to receive the love that comes with it. I want to say to you as a church, a prophetic word, if you like, you need today to receive the gifts You need to receive the gifts from this gracious Father who works in bizarre ways that are not just. He doesn't do that. He's just gracious. He wants to pour out his blessings upon you. Receive his peace. Receive his forgiveness. Receive the abundance of his Spirit poured out to you and receive that grace that you will then be able to pass on to others. In a moment, we'll have the opportunity to respond in whatever way you need to. But use this moment to celebrate the birthday. Let's all pray.